tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. Whether you like it or not, you have a gift, and that gift brings light and joy to an increasingly dark and broken world. To turn your back on that gift is to turn your back on the entire human race. The human race? I'm afraid so. Nick Cage smooches God! Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 155th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for mostly bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight, we continue our second month dedicated to the great Nicolas Cage, Hops and Cage Match Flops, with the movie I've personally been waiting for my entire adult life, and that is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Now, when we talk about this movie, are we going to always say the unbearable weight of massive talent, or can we agree to call it either massive talent or unbearable weight? Yeah, you can interchange those two. Or UWMT. Massive talent is a much better sum up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Massive talent it is. Okay, just wanted to get that out of the way. Continue. Continue. Okay, so along with me into this deep dive into the glory of manic Nicolas Cage are the man who wants cosplay as a wax caster Troy captain cash i am grotesque and i am worth at least twenty thousand dollars hey you know i'd say that i'd say that's a fair price we've also got the man who'd pay jim van beber a hundred dollars to attend his birthday party chumpsilla okay first off that's completely true and i would up that to 250 if he gives us a nunchuck display uh yeah I heard would you some, provide uh, the nunchucks or would you expect him to bring his own oh, nunchucks? Because I feel like that would... You know he travels with them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, totally. he's going to break out his own chucks, though. I feel like that's a little... That's worth 300 You, know, you, you provide the chucks. Yeah. Okay, fair. But again, I would be willing to negotiate to get to get the chucks. I'd pay for it. I'm saying. You, okay. can, pay, you can pay him in ninja stars. Maybe ask him for my dad's Adidas back. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's at least fifteen dollars off the price. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tonight we've also got a special guest, Ryan Gutierrez. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about your comic, and then how this guest appearance came to be. And then before we dive into the movie, we've got some questions about West Deacon, which is your comic book. Hello, everyone. I'm Ryan Gutierrez. I'm happy to be here. Um, uh, West Seekin is a book that I've been working on for many years. Uh, it's a character I was drawing from when I was a little kid. And then I worked in, I've been working in comics for like a decade. And, you know, a couple of years ago when the pandemic started, I thought I'm going to set a, uh, aside a bunch of time and I'm going to work on this. And I'm going to draw this entire graphic novel. And now I'm sitting on a 200 page epic tome, which is a space opera superhero meets you know, Silver Surfer, He-Man kind of demon hunter mix. And um, it's kind of an amalgam of all those things that I really like. And uh, yeah, it's it's coming out May 16th. 
I came upon these gentlemen because they were recommended highly by people I know who really like podcasts of this nature. More about comics. A couple of drunks, years. you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, where can I talk to three drunks about comics? And they were like, say no more. Boy, have I got a <laughs> wow. show for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you need better friends. Yeah, I think they're controlling me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this guest appearance is sort of fortuitous because as we all know, Nicolas Cage, also a huge comic book fan. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe somebody stole his action comics number one or something. <laughs> I, really? I think the deal was he was yeah. made to sell it, but he actually oh. he made a significant profit, but at, at what cost? Yeah. At the point at which you're selling Superman number one, especially if you've named your child Kal-El. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, that's a piece of your soul that's gone, and you don't get it back. But there's so, so many stories about him. I don't even know what's true anymore. Like someone also said he bought a pyramid at some point. Is that no, real? He, he bought an obelisk. Yeah, he did have an, an obelisk. A, yeah. An obelisk that is shaped like a pyramid as his like tomb. His tomb. It's well, in I mean, New like, Orleans, but it's like right? you know, twelve yeah. feet tall in a cemetery somewhere. Yeah, his resting place will be in New Orleans somewhere. Probably with Jimmy Bobo from Bullet to the Head. Well, that's not going to happen because he will never die. Honestly, no. I mean, he's about to play Dracula. So I think that's There's a fair shot yeah. that he just lives forever. Honestly. I think so. Yeah. He, okay. It's too much intensity. So quick questions before we dive into the unbearable weight of massive talent for Ryan. What was your first comic book memory? I would say the earliest memory I have of comics was reading uh, and, and not fully understanding Chris Claremont's um, X-Men uh, in the late 80s with Jim Lee drawing. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, yeah, like if that's the first comic you see, like you pretty much think comics are God. It's like mm-hmm. it, it was at the time it was the writing was too sophisticated for my child brain to understand. So I had to reread it when I was like 10. And I was like, OK, now I get it. But just looking at, at, you know, Jim Lee's pencils, I think Scott Williams is inking him. And it's just like some of the most beautiful, and this is before they tried to recolor it in the late 90s. And, it, you know, and it was like the original colors where it was like screen print style, like really simple, beautiful work. Yeah, that was the first time reading a comic book. That's a I great remember, uh, jumping in point. It really yeah. is. I remember yeah. Wolverine. He had the knifey hands. I liked that. Yeah, that was like... <laughs> No, I, I remember, remember the cover had that big wraparound where you would yes. unfold it. It was like three. Oh, my God. It was so yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. it's an allegory for racism? I had. I just thought he shoot the beanies out of his eyeballs. His Neat. muscles were so shiny. That's they, they all were very shiny and muscly. <laughs> yeah. And um, alternatively hairy or not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of shoulder had, hair those days. He had Robin Williams hands, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have that too. I have that word that you see that little tuft of fur. Oh, there yeah. you go. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a genetic anomaly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I so, need you to say good morning, Vietnam, as loudly as you can. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for West Deacon, did you have any non comic inspirations? Because when I read it, uh, it's very, to me, like intergalactic high fantasy with yeah. a tinge of religious meta- metaphors. Yeah, some of that's like unavoidable because like I grew up like Catholic. <laughs> so it's like if you're gonna write a heroic mythology about like any kind of heroic character and you have a Catholic background where you go to Catholic school, like messiah stuff just seeps into it whether or not you want it to. It's like, but um I never saw it as being terribly religious, but people who read it tell me that it feels like a biblical kind of myth. And I'm like, cool, uh, you know, I'll lean into yeah. that. That's fun. But I'd say uh, anything outside comics that I really think was influential was like when i first read dune 
you know, the, the by Frank Herbert, that was like, I can see that. I mean, again, again, it was like above my, at the time above my, you know, my, my, my positive ability to understand, but I, but I remember being totally whisked away by it, you know, and um, that kind of mixed with like growing up, you know, watching He-Man cartoons and clicking yeah. the toys, it all kind of mixed into this, this weird thing. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say Dune and, and, you know, the original Star Wars films, just like watching those, yeah. like burning through that VHS until it wore out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I definitely catch attorney of vibes in this. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like, I felt like the mist with the with the yellow, uh, man made uh, source of destruction that basically wipes them out. Yeah, yeah. So not not to spoil anything too much, but you know. Well, I mean, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, sort of, it's sort of the inciting yeah. incident. It's the first page. It's the first page. Were there any artists that inspired your personal visual style? I got to say, I really dug the visuals, particularly. Yeah, let me jump in. Page layout is very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like it it feels like. The panels, a lot of variation from page to page. It feels cinematic. Yeah. You know, where you're, you're, it's not like panel, 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 panel. Each page is a little different. Each pulls focus in a different way. And I I really enjoyed that aesthetically. just kind of. I mean, I, yeah, I thank you, man. My phone. Yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, what if, if somebody reads it, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. no, no, no apologetics for that. But no, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I, my background, uh, I was doing comics for years, but I was also like, you know, for day work, I was doing storyboards for film and TV and stuff. So that's kind of like a big uh, part of how I, you know, how I try to lead the eye through it. Cause I do yeah. comics and you're doing storyboards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you can, you can really mess around with the way you lead people through a page yeah and i mean an artist that was really influential i mean i I have like one of those like adhd brains where like i love like american artists and american comic art and then i'll just like at the same time i'm like sergio topi like that italian anchor he inspired like mobius and all those like french artists like if you look at sergio topi he's like maybe from the 50s or 60s he, he was doing art and it's like he almost doesn't even have panel borders like he'll just have a bunch of images that he inks on a page almost like a collage and he leads you through it by just like just with yeah. the weight of his line it's just like crazy stuff and i'm nowhere i can't do what he does like i just i have to accept that I'm not, I'm not that good an artist that i can just like not have a panel border and yet you see the panel separations in your mind i don't but that may every time i look at his work i loosen up so some of those pages you'll see where there's not even a panel border and i'm just kind of like doing yeah. something weird yeah kind of i noticed like, that yeah, that, that's that's every now and then I'll do it, but I don't want to do it too much because sometimes people they get too like comics work a certain way for a reason, you know. Like, yeah, there's a reason that like you know Kirby was like one of the best ever is because he knew how to use just simple blocks and get you to look from you know panel to panel. Yeah, it's imperative also for like an action sequence too. That's a thing. It's like I take the fight scenes very seriously because like West Deacon is like an action character. So like yeah. if there's any if there's a moment of confusion during like a battle scene, then I'm like really not happy. I want, I want people to read it without even realizing that they're making any effort, you know? That's a really good point about Kirby because at the time, aside from just his general like visual aesthetic and his, the way he, he, you know, he drew the characters in, in a sort of a unique way, had a very unique style at the time, was that his action was fantastic. And it was, yeah. it was, it was a step above everybody else because his panels were so dynamic and, and he did lead you with it. Uh, in, in a way that like the action could be complex and there could be a lot going on, but you could follow it because he knew exactly how comics work, you know, and he, yeah, he, he elevated that. And that's really cool. Cause as a kid, when you're reading that stuff, you see those old comics, 
you don't understand why it's so good, but you're like, man, yeah. this is so cool. And then when you get when you get older and you start reading about it a bit more and you see, oh, actually he's using some really, really nuanced techniques to make that action pop in a way that yeah. people weren't doing at the time. Yeah, Kirby Kirby's like the quintessential like comic artist and that he's so much more sophisticated in his technique than than someone would think. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people, because people who don't read comics, they see comic art, they're like, oh, that's cute. Like he's got some nice, you know, I like the thick lines and it's got a nice simple look to it. It's like, it's not simple at all. He's using no. every, every aspect. He's using dimensions to have the hand reach out. So it feels like he's punching through the page. Like it's crazy. Yeah. He's so yeah. good. He, he makes action. it look easy when in fact right. it's because yeah. he's very, very good at it. Yeah. And in reality, he, he I mean, like eight pages a day he was drawing, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and, and, and some of his work was actually, I can't think of the guy's name, but I'm, I'm sure Ryan, you've watched the YouTube channel comic tropes. Oh yeah. Tropes is great. Yeah. And he did an episode on this inker and his name's escaping me, but he's just basically saying this guy butchered Kirby's work because Kirby put so much detail in the backgrounds and machinery and all that stuff. And yeah. then this guy inks over it and he just inks right over top of it and blocks it out. Yeah. So, I know you're talking stuff- about Sorry, go ahead, please. Oh, I just saying, there's there's stuff that we never even got to see from Kirby because the inkers were too lazy to 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 fill in the detail and just kind of they couldn't keep out. up with him. They couldn't yeah. keep up with his his tempo, man. He was he was a machine. He was like, I, there was a whole documentary about um you probably have heard of this where like his neighborhood his his house where he lived like it was like a neighborhood hangout where the, the local kids would just come by. I just hang out in the basement and watch Kirby draw all day and they would just come and go and like his wife would just make snacks for everyone. Like people would just come wow. in and watch this dude work for eight hours and he would just like have kids running around his studio and he didn't care. He was so focused on, you know, he's like, I gotta, I gotta draw three more pages of Namor. I can't talk right now. He's like, take whatever you want. <laughs> Get out of here, kid. And he had the, he was a giant like cigar. He had like no concept of money. He was so creative that like the one of the kids was like, can I just have this page that you're not going to use? Because like they He's like, I don't care. Take it. He was like, yeah. take it all. I don't give a shit. With Get out of here. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With his, uh, that big cigar. Yeah. Yeah. I realize we've got uh, fairly far into the discussion without actually giving you a chance to tell us a little bit more about West Deacon, the comic that you created. So yeah. um, typically on the pod, we will do a one line description of, uh, of the movie. We're not going to hold you to a single line here, but give us a couple lines about, you know, what is West Deacon all about? Uh, Wes Deacon is all about a character that is, he's like, if He-Man was a vampire killer in space. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of, it's not strictly vampires, but it's, it's like, you know, it's a guy who fights demons and goes from planet to planet, liberating people from oppressive monsters and things like that. And I mean, based on what I read, I don't know that I'd call it a hard R, but it's maybe a strong PG-13 as far as a comic would go. Yeah, all the gore is, is pretty much monster gore. So it's like, you know, it's it's there's no there's no uh, human viscera, but it's 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 a guy ripping through monsters, you know, it's kinda like yeah. it's actually we talked about Doom the video game, it's kinda like that. It's like what did they call it horror for the whole family? <laughs> right. Well it's yeah, it's like if He Man actually used his sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because it's something I've noted, but he doesn't really there's no flashing at He Man. Yeah, no, not, not not he has a sword. He never really actually uses it on a bad guy in, in the cartoon. Yeah. Um, and, and I get, I do get with your creature design, especially with like the the dynamic, the demonic type monsters or whatever. I mean, I get a little bit of a Mike Vignola vibe, a little little Hellboy vibe mm. going on. Yeah, like just yeah. the way, like you kind of distort some of the features and the way you kind of they're kind of uh, shaded a bit, which is pretty cool. Uh, and 
I, I think just in general, when you mentioned the space opera, Star Wars comparison, I thought it was cool that just in this one issue, you introduced several different types of characters. And so you had several varieties of character design, very like, you know, cantina vibe. Like you can see this is a big universe with lots of different races. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with the cat people. Yeah. I'm a cat guy. So, oh, cool. Um, uh, so yeah, I've got I got a cat in my garage right now that just came to visit me. Um, that is today. a weird cool. way to tell everybody you're a furry, but that's cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, place. so that's cool. So, but no, I, I think it's cool. It's cool to have the varied character design. That's just neat. Like it's mm. like wow, this makes the universe feel very big. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I actually I, I really love that you you kind of picked up on the Mignola thing because I, I mean even though I think a lot of people looking at my art style versus his, they would like they would really not draw that connection. Um, because he's he's got this gift of elegance, you know, like his stuff. He, Magnolia, he can have like four lines on a page and give you tons of information. Whereas I, I need a lot more. <laughs> I need a lot more line work to you know convey that. But yeah, but definitely like the way Mignola designs a, a character, particularly when he's doing his monsters, it's really cool because he'll just like he always starts with like a basic idea of like a classic monster, and then he just starts to distort it and make it his own. And yeah. that was something I really liked. And then I was like, how am I going to do that in my own way? And it's like, okay, well, this is like, it's fantasy. This is purely fantasy, but it happens to be a space opera. It's not really science fiction. It's not like Star Trek. There's no science elements in it. It's fantasy. But it, because it's like, there's an interstellar vibe to it, all the, you know, demons and monsters have to have a slightly alien kind of science fiction twist on it, where it feels like they could exist in a technological civilization. Yeah. Was there was there anything particularly challenging about creating this whole new world? Because this is, as as we mentioned, there's lots of unique characters. This is something that's, this is totally all your like your creation. Yeah, I I, I think it's it's one of those things where I I listened to indirectly the advice of someone who's who's you know did a really good job with it, like Peter Jackson talking about when he adapted Lord of the Rings from the novel. And he said in this movie, anything that was not about Frodo or the ring, we would cut. So anything that wasn't connected to them in some indirect way, they would cut to avoid the kind of what I call the fantasy gobbledygook that sometimes happens. I say this as someone who loves Tolkien who lo and who loves fantasy, but like I have a lot of lore in my head, but I'm like, I try to imagine being a reader and being like, how much of this do they care about in the first issue? Wait, like, I, wait, you know, wait, hold on. The Lord of the yeah. Rings was a book? Oh yeah! Oh, you never heard about that? Yeah, it was just short. It's oh. only like it's only like fifty pages. It's like a, oh yeah, like, it like, came out um, a long time ago. It was old. There's not like expanded works or anything. Don't worry about it. No, yeah, don't it's don't a, trouble yourself. It's a book. Okay, don't, oh, don't worry. No, I, I learned something today. <laughs> Even more yeah, shocking thing: The Hobbit was only one book, and then it was three terribly long movies. <laughs> oh <laughs> one yeah, terrifying British cartoon. Oh yeah, that that that's a fever dream. That cartoon. Oh man, that scarred me for life. Don't show that to your kids. <laughs> no. I, love, I love that curse. <laughs> I, I stick with Watership Down personally. <laughs> Just oh. you got to pick the way you're going to scar them, I guess. And, and if that's if that's too kid friendly, I go with Plague Dogs. Oh, okay. Plague, Plague Dogs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's get into Massive Talent. Because this movie is a ton of fun. Before we do that, points forward. Remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops. And you can find Wabam Entertainment at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T. Ryan, do you have any socials you want to plug here before we get into the film? Yeah, 
You should uh, definitely find me on Instagram, Ryan underscore guts, where I post uh, a lot of art and um, even process drawings and then updates about the comic book that's coming out May 16th and the issues that follow thereafter. I am going to start a Twitter as has been recommended by my editor several times. So I'm going to finally do it. Um, and I will update you with that at some other time. For but, sure. Yeah, and, right, uh, right now, Instagram is the best place to follow me. And we will help promote the hell out of that. Uh, so thank you guys. Massive talent. Currently in theaters, I think we all agree that you should see it in theaters because this movie rules. Now let's talk beer. All right. I paired Massive Talent with Germany's Schneider Aventinus Wheat Doppel, which clocks in at a Captain Cash approved 8.2% ABV. Uh, Apparently it it was inspired by the women's suffrage movement and it's Bavaria's oldest wheat Doppelbach it was launched in 1907. I chose it because the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is frequently referenced in this movie, is a 1920 German silent film, which is available on Tubi. Yes, it is. <laughs> like, I realize everything on Tubi is free, but Tubi better start paying us. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Somebody at them. We got to get some of that, some of them Tubi checks. I got to tell you, this, this wheat doppel tastes like I got a batch from 1907. I hate this beer. <laughs> I, uh, so, so we know they're not sponsoring you. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's evidence. <laughs> yes, but we'll say nice things about Tubi if yeah. you give us money. I'll say as yes. many nice things about Tubi as possible, but this beer, not my favorite. One bad movie. That's what I would give it. Fair enough. Well, I've got, I've already finished one. Let me crack the second one here. T-dubs. Well, you're braver than um, me because I'm done. <laughs> I'm tapping out. It's uh okay. Here's the thing. I get it's got a little bit of a wheat beer aftertaste, but it's also got a very sweet forward flavor. Um, it's it's a little malty. I I don't hate a, it. A, a little malty. I, I I don't hate it. A ringing endorsement from Chumpzilla. I don't yeah, hate it. It tastes like fancy steel reserve. It tastes they, like steel reserve yeah, exactly with, with steel reserve with a, a little more flavor and like a stale blue moon aftertaste. Okay. It's a weird combination. I don't hate it though. Like if you gave me this in a frosty mug at a German restaurant with uh, a schnitzel burger on a pretzel bun, I probably wouldn't be upset. I'll give it one and a half bad movies because okay. it's really not, it's not my bag, but in the right circumstance, this would be fine for like one pint in a frosty frosty glass. you're adding a lot of caveats because i drink just about True. anything if i had a schnitzel burger on a pretzel bun well yeah including I this mean, beer i would look do- who you're talking to the man drinks steel reserve like it's a normal thing to do voluntarily steel reserve Vol- of course he likes it he's a yeah. weird guy and, and shots fired by the guys over at uh, hot nation i definitely pour some steel reserve over my grape nuts just to prove them wrong wow so I think you should shout, do that. Shout out to those guys. Uh, and take a video of yourself doing that. I will. <laughs> I think that'll I just, go great. I, I, I just need to get some grape nuts. I've already got the steel reserve. I just need the grape nuts. Yeah. I need to be clear on the way you guys grade this. So one and a half bad movies. is How How does that work? Like out of, out of how um, many? Five? Three? Uh, so so here is Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Ryan, let me do this one for fun. Uh, so we started off with the original ranking system applying only to the movies. So out of a six pack, we would give the movies a one to six rating. And we could also add the qualifier pain beers or enjoyment beers. 
And then we decided to start rating the beers as to how many bad movies we would sit through while drinking the beer. So if it's a good beer, we'd sit through three movies. I'll, you could put three, you could put uh, uh, Home Alone, Home Sweet Alone, that is, on three times in a row, or The Happening, because this beer is so good. I would watch that three times in a row. Or, ooh, this beer is not that good. I could make it through one bad movie on it. That is that is the most concise and clear explanation. I appreciate that. Because, you know, and just for the record, because I feel bad personally because I screwed this up uh, on The Happening Pod, which... I also technically should have known better because I was hosting the home suite, a home, home suite, home alone pod as well. The uh, <clears throat> M night Shyamalan's the happening is our current shit movie belt champion. That is currently yeah. the worst movie we've had to watch so far. It beat what? out home sweet no. home alone. Yeah. So just, I, I feel bad. I screwed that up. I just want to admit that on the pod for the record. Um, so moving forward, don't let me do that again. Anyway, uh, well, one Moving thing is on. for sure. This movie will not win that belt. Uh, no, no, Massive no, no. Talent was directed by Tom Gormican. He also co-wrote it uh, and actually had to write Nicolas Cage a letter explaining to him, this movie is not about making fun of you. It's about like celebrating your incredible career and you're the perfect person to be in it. And then he decided, yes, I'll be in the movie. It's only his second feature film. Yes. Yes. Uh, the only other movie he did was a Michael B. Jordan, Zac Efron film titled That Awkward Moment, which I haven't seen and I don't plan on seeing. It's like um, a rom-com. Yeah, it's a rom-com. Hey, hey, don't forget Miles Teller is in it too. So you got Mr. Fantastic and the Human Torch. We we don't we don't well, talk about fan stick. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That awkward moment when Miles Teller went on to the set of the offer and revealed he wouldn't get vaccinated and they had to shut down production for a month. <laughs> that oh my God, when did that happen? Uh, oh. I guess I forget who the actor was that was going to play his role and they backed out and they hired him and he revealed, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they had to shut down production. <laughs> a bit contrarian. <laughs> yeah. Turns out the show sucks anyway. So. Massive talent stars, of course, Nicholas Cage Assange Cage as himself. To be fair, it's not him. Well, it's a fictionalized version. Of yeah, it, yeah, it's not literally yeah. him. So I have to admit, I didn't pick up on that watching the film. I mean, I sort of got that it was a little bit like over the top. It was a little bit sensationalized. I'm like, you know, yeah, I get it. It's not like was that Nick before or after he made out with a younger version of himself in his mind? Yeah. At what point did you did you think like, oh, this isn't actually Nicolas Cage? Yeah. You, at that yeah, moment, but, you were uh, like, oh, this is not a documentary. I didn't realize. Yeah. 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 Well, oh, whoops. But I, what I did, I, I didn't catch, but they very clearly do in the movie is that anytime he's referred as Nick Cage in the movie, even in writing, it's spelled with a K which that was their indication. This is not the true Nick Cage because the true Nick yeah. Cage is just NIC. And I'm like, well, that's very subtle. I would have never picked up on that because there's so much else going on in this movie. But I think that's funny that they went to that level of detail just, just to indicate that this is just a little tweak on reality. Just to like, be okay. super clear. You're, you're super clear. Yeah. Uh, did you hear Nick Cage talk about this actually? Because I, I heard him in an interview talking about this. It was really interesting about this movie. And he said that he was like, reading the script and he had to talk to the, the screenwriter and he's like listen he's like i'm not this neurotic he's like i promise he's like i'm a really boring person he's like i'm just like a nice dude who likes movies and shit he's like and he had to he had to change it in the script so that nicholas cage could be like okay 
I can't think of this as being myself or it's going to feel like I'm lying. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, you know, so he's like, I have to make this in a weird alternate version of me. That's like sure. uh, a little bit of a basket case. It is very much the internet's idea of what Nick Cage is. Right. That's what he's playing. And playing the movie about the trope. Trope. Yeah. Yes. And I really enjoyed the fact that they gave him a daughter instead of having a son or two sons, like he has two in real life, because I feel like oh, really? that, that dynamic with him and the, having a daughter was crucial to the movie, having an emotional string through it. It wasn't just him and the, the, the wife or the ex-wife. It was also him and trying to connect with the daughter because, you know, I've got, I've got uh, uh, stepchildren that are male and I have a daughter uh, of my own. And I will admit that it is tougher as a father to relate to your daughter sometimes, even as a kindergartner is a child uh, yeah. versus the boys. Cause it's just, it's just, there's a whole world there that I'm not in tune with. And, you know, you can see that conflict there between the two of them. He, he's trying to share his world with her, but it's not happening. Like, I thought that was like, that was one of the stronger emotional points of the movie where the movie actually took itself seriously and for the better. Uh, yeah. Listen, but Chuck, anyway, uh, I, I, your, your daughter doesn't want to watch Tubi with you. <laughs> I, that is not I mean, true. Children always want to watch Tubi. Now, Tubi, I'm, those checks can be sent to. Yeah. I'm working on it. I am uh, working on it. I, I'm really shocked, though, that it took you that long to figure it out. And it wasn't when he did the impromptu read in the terrible Boston no, accent. I, oh, my God. Oh oh my God. Terrible was, read. Terrible. How dare no. you? I, I, I'm kidding. I was kidding. Guys, you guys give me so much credit. The medulla abogata. You, you better keep going with who's in this or these 10 fingers and toes are going to be all up in your mandula ablangata. <laughs> so, Wait, who's uh, the director he's talking to in that scene, too? I knew that the director was someone I should know. David Gordon Green. Who, yeah. he, oh, I didn't know what he yeah, looked direct, like. Okay. Directed yeah. Cajun Joe. Yes, which yeah. is a fantastic movie. But uh, yes. Yeah, he did uh, the new Halloween movies, right? Is that David Gordon Green? I believe so. Um Sure. Yeah, I think but so. uh, Nicholas Cage actually has been pretty notoriously like, obviously financially, like that's the part he wanted to keep in the movie because he felt like this is something I, I'm not really embarrassed of. And it's true. But uh, he was very family oriented. In fact, he passed up being Aragorn, son of Arathorn in Lord of the Rings. Really? As well as being in the Matrix to spend time with his kids. Was he going to be Neo in the Matrix or Morpheus? I don't know. That one I didn't see who he was going to, but apparently he was going to be Aragorn. Because he's like older than Keanu Reeves, but younger than Lawrence Fishburne. So I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the weird thing about Cage is I get the feeling based on some of the things I've read is people basically come to him with a movie and they're like, pick a part. Like, that could be like, true too, because he I, actually I, I, I wanted to happens. be Javi in this movie. Yes. Well, that's yeah. not because people love working with him. I mean, like I've heard people talking about like, there's so many directors who absolutely think he's like, brilliant he's professional he cares so much about it it's like it's someone great to have around yeah so we just come when the courage of man fails we forsake (laughs) all bonds of fellowship but it is not this day we we just did uh uh, willie's wonderland a couple weeks ago and i think it was you t-dubs that pointed out the stories from the set there that all the younger actors on that cast said that nick cage was great he took time to work with him and coach him and like help them out like he he's he's an actor's actor and i and like yeah and apparently pedro pascal's a huge fan 
And that's one of the reasons that Nick Cage agreed to do this because between the director reaching out to him with that letter and, and Pedro expressing how big of a fan he was, because he thought it'd be more meta if Pedro played his part. Like yeah. and Nick Cage played his own biggest that fan. That is very much a Nick Cage idea. Which, which I think, I think that the sad thing is, I think that would have worked just fine. I think that would have oh, been yeah. Now, do I think it would have been commercially viable? Probably not. But no. I think it would have made a nuts movie. That's a that's a very vampire's kiss move. Yeah, so that, that that's a vampire's kiss Mandy move. I support yeah. that 110%, though. But yeah, I, I just, again, Nick Cage, apparently great dude. People like him. People want to work yeah. with him. All we right, have established so. that Pedro Pascal is in this film yes. as Javi. As Who else Javi. is in the movie? You've got Neil, It's Afraid, Patrick Harris. Oh, God. Back as Richard Fink. You've got Ike, What Would Vin Diesel Do? Baron Holtz as Martin. I love that guy, by the way. And uh, Tiffany Girls Trip Haddish and a host of others. A massive talent released on April 22nd, so relatively recently. To date, it has grossed just north of $11 million worldwide on a budget of 30 million please go see this movie please so we need nick cage to be back yeah well I not think that he went the, anywhere yeah. not that he went anywhere so quick uh, quiz for the panel how many people were in the theater with you when you saw this movie i'll start with you captain cash actually so when i first got there it was just me and one other lady who looked like she was in her late like 60s and then later okay. we had about five to six other people join us. Now I saw it like randomly on a Monday at like 10 o'clock at night because I have children. And sometimes you just, that's what you have to do to see movies now. Still, this is a new release. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty that's low. Not bad for a Monday night. I, is it? That yeah, seems pretty bad. bad. Sort of cats level audience size. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Cause that, oh, that, that it's, that's coming. That's coming. T-Dubs. Uh, Ryan, what was your audience count? I saw it on a Thursday at like two o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of Union Square, Manhattan. So it was like against five or six people. And really? Yeah. Even in New yeah. York? Wow. Okay. Yeah, but, but it was also, it was a work day in New York and people in New York just sure. don't take time off or anything. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Okay, T-dubs. I had like 15 to 20. I saw it the day after it opened. Okay. Yeah. And I really wish more people could. I was at like the, per, like what used to be an Alamo draft house. Uh, mm. which is now like independently owned but still has that like vibe which is like these this is the type of movie that the crowd that goes to this place would love yeah and like I cats was, and i was disappointed yeah i'm really yeah. disappointed i didn't see the alamo draft house because i feel like they would have had so many great like pre-movie you know how they they, they make their own trailers and they, yeah they, uh -huh. like when i saw the, the latest ghostbusters at alamo draft house they'd like they had the trailers and all the videos of the ads for previous for Ghostbusters toys. The eighties was all playing beforehand, like a nice. real nostalgia head trip. And I was like, man, they would, if that had seen that album, they would, they would have had like a greatest clips of like Nicolas Cage from the eighties to the nineties, probably. All right. So hold on. Let me expand on that. Uh, I'll say I saw it with two other individuals uh, the okay. Thursday, on a Thursday night or afternoon and, and which was cat's level of attendance because famously <laughs> Cap Captain Cash and I attended uh, cats uh, back in 2019 with this poor woman in her seemingly middle 60s. And we proceeded to get intoxicated and yell at the screen. Regardless, it was a great time, though. It was a great time. Um, fun fact, and I hope I don't spoil anything here. But there was a scene in the third act of this movie that was cut and will be released on home video or video on demand when it comes. 
There is a montage scene in this movie of several of Nick Cage's more memorable roles where he recreates them uh, for uh, Nikki, the younger version of himself. And it ends with a weird scene of them in a black and white set similar to uh, the, the painted sets of the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Uh, but apparently the studio wow. thought the, the studio thought that wouldn't work. So they cut it, but it, it will be released uh, with the, the video on demand and or home release. That and is, I'm like, that, uh, that would have been amazing to see him go through like face off yeah. and gone in 60 seconds and con air. That, that yeah. would have been great. That would have been great. That would have fit in the movie. Uh, I don't know why they cut yeah, that. Yeah, why I, would you cut that? That that would have been a great climax. I, I mean, the movie was, I get mean, okay, the movie's over two hours long. So, okay, did you need to add anything more to it? Probably not. But man, I would have found room for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, that's not part of the quiz. But regardless, oh, I didn't spoil anything. Uh, this movie has been relatively well reviewed. It's 87% with 230 plus reviews. It's Metacritic 68. Audiences also seem to love it. So let's get into our one sentence descriptions. Um, we'll start with our guest, Ryan. Uh, how would you describe this film in one sentence? Uh, all of my greatest efforts are behind me and in front of me. That's Nicholas Cage speaking. That's, <laughs> that's his voice. I dig that. But that's that's the first thing that comes to mind is like that feels like that's his mind when he's speaking. It is like everything I great I did is behind me and also in front of me. Uh Captain Cat. It's kind of deep. Man. Thank you. Well, How- I am drinking. <laughs> I don't mean to brag. Uh, I was just Cheers. gonna call it Nicolas Cage into the Cageiverse. Okay, yeah. It's not a sentence though. <laughs> I thought it had to be strictly a sentence. Oh, like, no, I, okay. I, it's a tag. <laughs> there are no rules. Okay, got it. Wherever mm. Nicolas Cage goes, the wind follows. Chumpzilla. Uh, and the wind, it smells like Cage. Cageception. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except Bois, except instead of Bois, it's just that face he makes when he's like not molesting the, the people or the, the choir girls in face off. The yeah. Yes. So my one sentence description is Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage in a movie that can only be described as an homage to all the greatest things about Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that, yeah. that uh, checks out. Uh-huh. Uh, the yeah. actual IMDb description is in this action-packed comedy, Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, again with the K, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a super fan and a CIA agent. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, how do you describe the plot yeah. to that movie? <laughs> yeah, it's like the plot is almost like not even. It's not even the like. It's like, almost not relevant. It's just like yeah. just you're there to see Nicolas Cage. It doesn't matter yeah. what's happening. Like the weakest part is the quote unquote plot. I I really yeah. I'm super here for Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal pile around for about ninety minutes. That's all I really needed. Well, no, I, I appreciate that too, and I definitely like their chemistry better than the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which really disappoints me because that was the buddy action film TV series I was looking forward to, and yet this I would rather see Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal do that well, than those two. I, I'm just going to go out and live here and say the chemistry between Pascal and Cage is incredible. And whatever chemistry uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had, somehow the writers of that show erased. Correct. Yes, the poor writing killed that. Yes, the Russos yeah. needed to fix that. But I, I, yeah, that was great. But I, I, I had no problem with that 
CIA plot because what I liked about it was how it played into Cage's character being all about it's just another role. It's just that well, he was whole hog because yeah. it's it's, just, it's another role. He can't turn down a good role. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not about the pay. It's not about money. It, it's just it, like it's it's the role. Like I want to be I want to be successful at this role. Well, it has its ups and its downs, but there's still some really great highlights, such as him getting drugged with the the knockout serum that he accidentally wipes his forehead with. But let's get <laughs> to the plot. I'm going to be <laughs> very. Said, it, it works with the character. It fits with the characters. What I'm, I'm saying. I'm going to be very brief with the plot because. I want people. It's a to new movie. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to get into a lot of the fun questions because I do have some fun questions. But anyway, this movie centers around a down-on-his-luck, both career and family-wise, Nicolas Cage, who agrees to attend a superfan's birthday party for $1 million. One of the cooler elements of the film is that much of his career angst is displayed through conversations with his younger, more obnoxious self, and it is glorious. This is what Chumsil alluded to earlier, and I really look forward to the deleted scene where he's like, you know, like I hate James Corden, but it's kind of funny when he does like the actor's career in six minutes and they go through all the films and like he did it with Schwarzenegger and I'm obviously yeah love Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm like, oh, this is great. It's a shame James now, Corden is here. <laughs> is, is that hate based on cats or just in general? No, he's just kind of a succubus. I heard he's a huge asshole. He seems like a pretentious asshole. I've heard that See, too. Yeah. yeah, He was terrible I, in cats. I, well, he was awful as Buster <laughs> Jones. Um, in a movie full of talent of awful shit <laughs> yeah. he finds a way to be suckier than most well he and rebel wilson both were like holy shit oh. you guys are not good at anything why are you in this movie rebel uh, wilson know, that movie is so awful she's so see, bad she's no, so bad i don't i see and, and i'll be honest i can't blame the two of them because i feel oh, as though that, that can. what they what, no, but what they were given to do was so freaking terrible. It's a movie about singing and dancing, and neither of them can do those things. So don't yeah, pass yeah. Okay, no. Uh, <laughs> so, that was a very concise point. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's like, it's, and I like, James Corden's not an actor. No, he I was sucks. like, oh, well, I was watching the movie. I wanted to grab him by the collar and be like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not, you're in the wrong room. Like, what? Like, stop. Yeah, no, terrible. terrible. Anyways, so in this Nicolas Cage adventure, <laughs> hijinks, hilarity, and acid trips. Oh, and action ensue. Basically, Cage and Javi, his host, bond and become best friends. But there's one problem. The CIA, Vivian and Martin, believe that Javi has kidnapped Maria, the daughter of an anti-crime politician who's cracking down on what they believe to be Javi's applied trades. Thus, Cage must play dual roles, that of Javi's best friend and a CIA patsy attempting to find the location of Maria. Things, of course, are not exactly as they seem, and Cage is forced into action, which makes this movie not only a meta-commentary on Nicolas Cage's career, but a meta-commentary on Hollywood films in general. It goes from being a human piece to, fuck it, let's blow shit up. Uh, <clears throat> that's, that's pretty accurate. So, I mean, it, great. It, takes a, it takes a bit of a hard turn. But oh, that totally. third, third act is a little, I mean, expected, but also out of nowhere. <laughs> It, and but yeah. that it's totally like it's a totally a Hollywood thing. Like it's just like, hey, remember Con Air where the whole movie starts with him writing letters to his daughter? Put the bunny in the box. And then the next what? hour and a half is him running through explosions. That's where the yeah. movie like the movie's like, this is what Nicolas Cage is. Here, like you've seen Manic Cage, now it's action cage. It, well, and and again, sort of in that Con Air theme, that movie has at least like two and a half climaxes. 
Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> it just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, With yeah. Nick Cage, you're guaranteed two and a half climaxes. So exactly. never stops at one. So I'm not going to spoil the movie because please see it. This is a very funny movie. I hell, I'd see a sequel to this. I'd see as many as they wanted to make it with these two as buddies. You could even throw like the, you know, the the formula on its head. It doesn't have to be Nick Cage again. Just put Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage in a room together and let them make magic, please. Uh, can I ask you guys a question though? If they did make a sequel, what would the title be, uh, and how mm. would you keep it in theme with the title of the first movie? You, you got to match that tone. That is interesting. Because it's a really unwieldy title. <laughs> the extremely high price of massive talent. Oh my God, that's so good, Sean. But no, so what I'm saying See, though is I, 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 I was going to go with Massive Talent 2 Electric Boogaloo, but I guess, you know, strong. that's good too. Also strong. No, but here's the thing I don't want to see a sequel to this because I feel like this is a very self contained, weird story. But I would rather see kind of what you were alluding to there, uh, Thunderous Wizard, like an anthology where Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal play different roles and interact with each other. Like, it, I'd be fine with that. It was some kind of like weird, like lethal weapon anthology. Okay. Not the same yeah. characters okay. from movie to movie. So hold on to that thought because there is a question about it when we okay. get Sorry. post break. First things first, we got to assess how many beers are required to watch this movie. Uh, we'll start with you, Chumpzilla. What do you think? Massive talent. Oh, I would give this two solid enjoyment beers. Like okay. it's yeah. it's a good movie to have a beer too. It's a little it's 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 a fun trip. You know, there's a lot of laughs, a lot of jokes. Doesn't take itself too seriously. It has again, there is a, a bit of emotional through line through it. But yeah, it's not it's not a deep heavy movie. It, it's a lot of fun. Two enjoyment beers. Two enjoyment solid beers. rating. Okay, mm-hmm. Captain Cash. Um. I'm going to go slightly more. I'm going to call it three enjoyment beers. It, it's good. It's not a perfect movie, I don't think. I, I think a lot of stuff, especially the CIA stuff, feels pretty weak. It's Even, Some of it is good, but some of it, I agree, is, is shoehorned in. Yeah. Although well, when I mean, he like, says, why the fuck would I have seen The Croods too? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> like... It, that's it, the good there, stuff. there are funny bits, but like outside of that, I'm not really sure why you got Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish to just kind of play parts almost anybody could play, right? And, and it doesn't help the movie is like two hours and change. So three, three enjoyment beers. Three enjoyment beers. Ryan, what do you think? I actually got to say the same thing. I was thinking three enjoyment beers, especially because you want to hit that third beer around the third act. Because you definitely yeah. really get a little buzzed, and that's going to make you way more forgiving of like any weird shift in tone. You're you're much more along for the ride. I think I think three beers is definitely the way to go. I agree. That's pretty fair. I would say yep. uh, three enjoyment beers. I was at a theater where you could imbibe, and I had two glasses of wine. It was like the perfect amount to just enjoy the film. And wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> We're yes. a beer podcast. Well, I said three you, beers. You, you, you just admitted to having wine during watching the movie. I have a sensitive palate. You know that. Oh, my god! Nicholas Cage wizard. drinks wine in the movie. And, you know, he's trying to channel. To be fair, he drinks beer in the movie, too. Well, uh, drinking beer and, and takes acid. At the bottom well, of a pool. How many, how many, <laughs> how many tabs of acid do you think? I have? <laughs> Next question. How many tablets of acid? Yeah. I, I just... I just want to get it out of the way now. If I had a nickel for every Nicolas Cage movie I have watched in the last week where Nicolas Cage does acid, 
I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's still weird. It happened twice. Uh, face <laughs> off, face off. He does acid, huh? But we didn't watch that. No. But, yeah, but I mean, I saw Mandy in this, and I was like, man, he does acid a lot in his movies. I guess it's recently. a recurring I, cage theme. The acid I, I, well, now, now he's famously, you know, admitted to doing shrooms with his cat, but no mention of acid with the cat. Yeah, true. <laughs> Why true. with his cat? Did his cat also do shrooms? I, I hope so. During the trip. And they, they bonded psychically. They took a trip. This. Yeah. They, yeah. I hope the cat didn't do shrooms. I hope the cat was like his chaperone for the trip. <laughs> I, I will think, be your guide the cat through get this. Into yeah. The I hope the cat was like his shaman. Take my I, paw. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will show you horrors and wonders the likes so, of which you have never seen. All, all I'm saying, Ryan, is if we don't see cats taking shrooms in West Deacon, I'm going to be a little upset. Yeah, I, I'm making. I'm writing this down. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah t- cat, take notes. Take notes. Cat cats, people, shrooms. There's only one way to face your fears: taking shrooms with your cat. And and Nick Cage. And Nick Cage. And Nick Cage, who just happens oh, to appear in this fictional. Universe. What if I have a cat and As I name himself. the cat Nick Cage, and then I do shrooms with my cat named Nick Cage? Loophole. There it is. There it is. Oh my gosh! Cage catception. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got some lingering questions about the film. Uh, But before we do, let's hear from our brothers in beer over at Hop Nation USA, who are also coincidentally on acid right now. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 155th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. And we are talking the unbearable weight of massive talent. The Nicolas Cage star vehicle that you absolutely must see in theaters. And we have some lingering questions about the film. We're going to start with Ryan. What is your favorite scene or comedic moment from this movie? Um, hands down, my favorite scene. Is, uh, this is kind of a, not a huge spoiler, but it's, you know, it, describing a joke. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but I'm going to. Uh, when they are tripping on tickets LSD and they see those two guys have sitting on a bench and they just assume those guys are watching them and then they go to yes. another part of the park and there's another two guys who just happen to resemble them and they think it's the same two guys and they're being followed that whole sequence is amazing where they just they create this entire chase sequence in their head where they're being pursued they're leaping over the fence and it's just like it's, yeah. just, it's hilarious yeah. to me they're just having a bad trip it's great. that that's my choice too and I, I won't go too much further but him as they're climbing this wall it's in the trailer oh and he drops them. And he's like, you're heavier than you look. It's kind of a big head. It's absolute comedic gold. Chumpzilla. Uh, yeah, same. Um, that seems great because it, it covers several elements of the film. Like Nick Cage kind of being a little reckless. Nick Cage also be, being obsessed with diving into a role. And the whole... Uh, thing of having Javi, you know, Pedro Pascal's character is like his super fan. Like they live out their fantasy together. That's they're feeding into each other in that scene. Like Nick Cage is playing the role. Javi's getting to participate in this thing with his, with his, his, uh, you know, idol. And yet they're both stoned out of their gourds and being ridiculous. It's, it's, it's great. It's a great gag. It's a great joke. And it's like, it's, it's what every Saturday Night Live skit 
aspires to be. It's a standalone yeah. joke that works for like five minutes. Yeah. Like uninterrupted. Yeah. And like, and, and yet there's a little bit of setup work to get there, but effectively it's a gag that works for like five minutes straight with several twists and turns and it's all good. So, and it's just like, that was entertaining comedy. And that, and this movie has a few scenes like that, but that one definitely stands out. So there's an old Saturday Night Live skit with Norm MacDonald and Sly Stallone. And this movie is essentially the antithesis of that, where uh, Sly Stallone is rescuing Norm MacDonald. He's in a, been in a terrible car crash on the highway. And it's the actual, it's him, Sly Stallone, comes to his aid. And Norm MacDonald, as he's like bleeding and dying, just goes on to explain how all of Sly's movies are terrible. <laughs> if I... also i'd like to point out that's been making the rounds around twitter lately they have uh steven seagal's saturday night lives like performance condensed into 60 seconds it's amazing google it Find bob odenkirk it. said he's the worst host of all time yeah no he's really? banned. they will never yeah. have him back yeah well not as they banned because his show was terrible but also he turns out he has no talent whatsoever so he, he refused direction he literally yeah. did whatever he wanted well, he the, brought the in the like opposite a bunch of, of the like... unbearable weight of massive yeah. talent the the Correct. complete lightness of a, co- <laughs> <laughs> a total lack of responsibility uh, a weightless <laughs> talent vacuum yeah, yeah. yeah hold, hold uh, on I... not, not to derail things here further but i am going to thunderous <laughs> wizard Please tell me that Norm Macdonald makes a stop or my mom will shoot joke in that skit. Uh, I'll, have about it. To, I'll have to watch it again because okay, I, if he, I just, I hope he does. I think he does. He should. He should. I, anyway. I watched it right after he passed away because it was making the rounds again, but I haven't watched it. So. Poor Norm. All right. Hey, sorry, sorry for cutting you off there, Captain Cash. Okay. What Captain is your Cash. favorite scene? Uh, so my, the, my favorite gag, and I won't, tell you too much about it so if you see you it won't get ruined for you but there is a point at which they reference a film that they that one of them really really enjoys and then they watch that film and that setup and payoff is really good really really good it's it is really good it's Uh, really good so and they pay it off twice it comes back again it It does does and it's so good and it i actually cried in the theater at that point uh (laughs) So made favorite, me want to be a better man. Favorite reference, visual, homage, or otherwise to another film from Cage's illustrious filmography. We'll start with Chumps Hill. Okay, this is another obvious one. This has to be the Golden Guns from Face Off, right? Solid choice. Yep, yeah, a solid choice. The the, the the wax dummy, the Golden Guns. They come back in the end. Come on, that was great. Uh, Who doesn't love Castor Troy? Yeah, Ryan. Uh, I'm gonna say the wooden hand that he has in Moonstruck. Solid, yeah. Solid. I, I no. absolutely love that movie. I think that's one of his best performances. You know, when he's mm-hmm. looking up at the hand, he's like, "Johnny has his girl. Johnny has his bride." That way he's gesturing is actually a reference to the movie Metropolis. Uh, you know, the, the silent film with a mad mm-hmm. scientist pointing at the lost hand, and I just love that he was referencing that. I didn't even know that until like ten years afterwards. But I just think that 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 whole wooden hand thing is amazing. No, I would want solid. that. Yeah. Solid. Very solid. Moonstruck, terrific movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Cash. My my favorite is probably the axe from Mandy. No, oh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. in the vault. I'm like, oh my god, I know exactly what that is. Yeah, which is great because they don't reference it in no, the film. No, it's just he there. Com- he comments on the chainsaw from Mandy, 
But you yep. yeah. the giant Celtic Frost FX <laughs> on the table. Which is... Uh, yeah. And it's so that, shiny. That axe is incredible. So I have, I have yeah. a couple. I, I really love when he, he basically is like, what the hell have I done with myself? Why am I here? This guy's terrible. And he just falls into the pool and he's chugging the alcohol, which is a reference to leaving Las Vegas. Yep. Mm-hmm. But just their entire... Every exchange about like, well... What about this? Like, well, why can't you run? I saw you run a national treasury. That was and the stunt department. Yeah, and they have all the, the arguments. <laughs> Not according to the feature <laughs> The most feature <laughs> I just I love great. that. I love that shit. Like, I never drive on acid. And he's like, well, according to this, you did all your own stunts and gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, like, it's great. This movie has a great attention to detail, but such a genuine affection for like some of the, like even the absurd moments of Nick's career. And it's fun to see him just embrace it. I may have missed it, T-Dubs, but I was disappointed because I have a soft spot in my heart for it. I was really hoping for like a direct Vampire's Kiss reference. Me too. Like, because I, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed that movie when we finally watched it for the pod. Like, I picked it as a joke. And then when I saw it, I'm like, actually, this is this is actually a decent movie. Like, this, is, this isn't terrible. This is film. This is, I won't call it cinema, but it was, it's, it's, it's no, film. It's, it's one of the great weird performances ever. Uh, and, yeah, and it, it, I think you look at it in an abstract perspective, it makes a lot more sense. If you look at this as a regular movie, like, no. But anyway, I was just kind of hoping they'd pay homage to that because well, I put I put that right up there with uh, 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 Mandy or Moonstruck or... Uh, you know, even leaving Las Vegas, like well, he made some strong choices in that film to portray a weird character suffering ailments. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed it on an abstract level. Well, here's but anyway, your, yeah. here's your chance now because the third question is: if you could have one piece of memorabilia from a Cage film, what would it be? We'll start with Captain Cash. This is a tough call. Because I feel like there'd be a lot of like cool shit that I've really thought about it, but like gun to my head, I've got to make a decision right now. Give me the face of Caster Troy in a jar. Okay, and you've seen <laughs> just, the, yeah. that. That would be it. Would be such a conversation piece. You've seen oh, yeah. the wax displays, and fuck, are they creepy? <laughs> but, but the face, Haunting. like floating. I mean, I mean, I guess it's in the it's in the like a you have to look down at it. I'd want yeah. it suspended somehow, like it would be looking out at you. Yeah, yeah future style. You. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Sure. Nick Cage's uh, Nick Cage's face in a jar, please. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? I want the bear costume that he wears in. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! You know, talking about Wicker Man, the bear yeah. costume he wears when he's running around the island, just punching women in the face. <laughs> want, such a good, want... Like c- compared <laughs> that with like. The Shaggy Dog, the Disney film from like totally. nineteen like sixty something. It's just like yeah. dog jumps up, punches the guy. It's, it's, it's a bear costume. There's, there's a highlight reel on YouTube of just different scenes in that movie where he just roundhouse, he just like totally throws like these like Roy Jones hooks into women's faces in that movie. It's really strange. But that bear costume one always, I would laugh so I'd pee my pants. I love it. I want that bear costume. Plus, I think it would fit me. He's around my height. There you go. All right, there you go. Uh, Chumzilla. Oh, clearly the plastic vampire teeth from Vampire's Kiss. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. 
Uh, listen, I got 35 cents. Vampire. I can send you some. With the, with the, the with the blood or without. I'm surprised you didn't pick the fake bat that flies oh. around. I, I was, was in Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat with a with fucking, a fucking bat. bat. Uh, I'd say the jacket from Wild at Heart. Ooh, mm, that jacket's tough, man. That is tough. That is a tough jacket. And a tough yeah. movie to find. What okay. about the car from Gone in 60 Seconds? Yeah. <laughs> it's the most expensive one on this list. I'd certainly take the gun from Drive Angry as well as that car, too. Oh, yeah. I well, think, I take, I, I think what, what, is, what is the car from Gone in 60 Seconds? Uh, uh, Eleanor? I think that's the, it's a, it's the Mustang, right? Yeah. Yeah, Eleanor. I, you know, I, I've got a Mustang, and they sell all the parts. You can buy the parts to make your Mustang. Of that, actually, of any generation, sort of look that way. That's a very classic look. A lot of people love that look. Yeah, Eleanor. Okay. I believe I'm gonna, so. I'm I gonna think... amend my pick. I want the Declaration of Independence. Oh I damn it! That was the guy was gonna do. That was coming. Ah. I know he actually stole it, and I want. It. Yeah, because the most expensive thing is, I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh man. Okay. Now I want to change my answer. I want the the head Ben Franklin glasses. There. No, no, when they put the bees in the head cage. Yeah. The oh, not the, the bees. bees. <laughs> Maybe that would be a good one. Uh, so two, two more questions. And this is the one where if we get into sequel territory, because they asked Pedro Pascal in an interview, which co-star from past Nicolas Cage films would he like to bring in for a sequel if they did it? And who would you choose? If you could choose one Cage co-star from the past to be in... A sequel to this movie who would it be they could not be ever heard <laughs> not yet no jumps up um, i'm gonna stick with vampire's kiss and go with jennifer beals okay the twilight uh yeah fr- fresh off of uh the book of boba fett come on i'm gonna just destroy captain cash here because i don't even know if it's crossed his mind but if you could have sean connery alive and well as the third member of this extreme comedy troupe oh my god would it be amazing uh, so, so so what i'm really smelling here is a gritty realistic reboot of the league of extraordinary gentlemen listen well, they, they resurrected grand Marth tarkin there's no reason they can't resurrect sean connery oh oh no there is a reason because <laughs> it's called <laughs> creepy luke skywalker yeah. in the Mandalorian. You, you mean basic morality and not wanting to like yeah digitally exude human decency yeah (laughs) and i've said it before i'll say it again how they have not just got sebastian stan to do that it blows my mind just do it and even you can cgi him a little bit soften the edges whatever but that's gonna be way better than the freaking siri level ai anything would be better than the algorithm they used captain cat co-star the, the thing you need to realize is Sean Connery smooches good. It's a lot of good. so good. <laughs> yeah. That would, honestly, yes. bringing Connery back alive and well somehow would be pretty spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. If I, any, any previous Nick Cage co-star, I like that John Mul- Mulaney. I think he's funny. Okay, that's good. Volta, Spider-Man. Volta, the answer is Travolta. I mean, look, the, the obvious <laughs> answer is Travolta. That's fine. Are they co-stars or are they the same person in swapped bodies? Oh, you, my you God. Have, you, no, you a, have Travolta play Cage and Cage play Travolta. And then, like, that's the twist at the end. Anything a, for it's, a Johnny it's a secret face-off sequel. It writes itself. 
Is the sequel to Face Off called Face On? Must be. (laughs) I'm getting my face back. Today's the day. Faces Offs. Faces Uh, Offs. Face off, two, saving two, face. Two, yeah. two <laughs> face, two off. <laughs> what if what if they went half and half? That's some real fucked up shit. You get like a little mm-hmm. Harvey Dent vibe. You got half. I, I mean, oh, no. CGI is far enough at this point. We could probably make that happen. Yeah, okay. I would love to see them spend two hundred million dollars making that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't 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 tip Hollywood or the internet. And it'll be back here on this pod in just about. Two years. Here Henry Cavill's mustache <laughs> yeah. can be a third of the face. There you go. There it is. Uh, Ryan, oh, what do no. you think? Co-star. Uh, I would love to see him and Cher do something again. Now that I talked about mm. Moonstruck, I'm like, oh man, bringing her back and having her be like almost like that ex-girlfriend that he was, you know, someone, a woman he knew like 30 years ago with her. But she's, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if maybe she would relate to him on a level of like, we were like, because she has kind of retired from acting and doesn't really do anything that I know of anymore. So yeah. she, uh, but, she's a sweet lady though. I, she's very close with yeah. Del Kilmer. I assume they stayed close. She's apparently awesome. And that was Pedro Pascal's pick, by the way. Oh, was really? It? He picked Cher. Oh, that's I just because Pedro that. Pascal wants to meet Cher, which yeah, respect. Yeah, way to same. utilize your position, sir. I get it. She's a babe. This is my favorite question of the pod. If you had to have a shrine dedicated to one actor, who would this. it be? Because my answer, very obviously, in less than a month, I'm going to have a complete leg sleeve dedicated to this actor. It's Arnold is numero uno, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's awesome. That's legitimately awesome that you're getting a full sleeve tattoo. <sighs> yeah, no, uh, T-Dubs is pretty hardcore. I love Arnold. Um which I mean, I mean, just in my office, I've got my last action hero, I've got my Terminator, and I've got another Terminator coming. Okay, Last Action Hero is one of the most underrated movies ever made. That movie is so good, it is so funny it's and so, so clever. So good. T Dubs is was, fixing to make out with you through it the, was so far the screen ahead right now. I just it was so, so, yeah, you know. so far ahead of its time. In fact, it's a lot movie. like this movie it that it's a total meta commentary on the yes. ridiculousness of action movies that people didn't get. And it's yeah. legitimately funny. Like it actually it makes is. you laugh. It, like as a kid, I watched that movie and I enjoyed it. And then as an adult, I hear from the Thunderous Wizard yeah. that it bombed. It like, bombed. No, that it movie also was great. What do you mean? I, I, I watched that movie was awesome. Yeah. Amazing. And you have John a, McTiernan, John McTiernan directing it, who's yeah. this incredible yeah. director. And just it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, cause, you know, I didn't pay attention to box office totals back then. The internet wasn't really a thing. Yeah, right. no, that movie, that, I, I saw the movie. It was great. What do you mean? That movie was good. Yeah. Oh no. So apparently, the internet sucks. does not agree. <laughs> so I was, I was a, Re- reality does not agree. You know, so, both, but yeah, whatever. So I must have been eleven or whatever, and I remember seeing yeah. the paper, and it was all about how the dinosaurs basically ate Arnold. The headline, because it opened, a, it opened opposite Jurassic Park, and it just got oh started. no wonder. Yeah, of course. So and, and uh, that movie, uh, uh, one of my know? favorite jokes in that movie is that Arnold Schwarzenegger can't pronounce his own name. Yeah, remember he's like, oh, I must be that famous actor Arnold Brownschneider. <laughs> he just like can't yes. get it. It's great. Okay, Captain Cash doesn't have to G- be g- an actor. Give it to Ryan. Somebody. Okay, we'll give it to Ryan. We'll give it to the guest actor. Okay. Who'd you have a shrine to, or artist, or? Uh, well, for, as far as actors, I, I'm torn in two very different directions, and one of them I wanted to have a Patrick Swayze shrine, uh, with everything from his role in Roadhouse 
to his romantic hell, turn in Ghost, yeah. uh, to his very sexy turn in Dirty Dancing. But then on the other hand, I'm like, maybe Peter O'Toole, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, like maybe that's the guy I want, but I don't know. I classic, classic. Yeah, I mean, but Patrick Swayze, something about that guy, I just wish I was his best friend. Maybe he, he, was a bit of, he was a bit of a renaissance man. You know, he, he was. was a tough guy, he did the sensitive guy, he was a dancer, he was a lover, he was a fighter. He was yeah. kind of jacked. He that great SNL skit with Chris Farley. He had a little bit of comedic timing there too. Yeah, he was he was funny. He's legitimately funny. And he was funny because he played it straight. Like he knew that he was just like this yeah. be the leading man. And it's just I'm the straight man, yeah. let Farley do his thing. And he was also yeah. takes a dark turn in Donnie Darko, too. Yeah, right. he's great in that. Man. Oh, yeah. But young yeah. blood, the outsiders. Like yeah. Yeah. I'm full on for Swayze. And he yeah. and he makes Roadhouse you really crazy work for Swayze. <laughs> He makes Roadhouse really work because he kind of plays like his character Roadhouse is like this warrior poet. You know, I love that movie. Uh, yes. Yes. Artist, he, he made all love in, that uh, movie on the pod. Yeah. He majored so in philosophy. Great. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love when she goes, you ever she, the doctor's looking at all the scars? She says, You ever win a fight? And he's like, Nobody ever wins a fight. Yeah. I was like, man, he's so wise. Yeah. Pain don't hurt. <laughs> this guy knows what he's talking about. That's why he's yeah. working in a, a barn, <laughs> Jasper, Missouri. I thought he'd be yeah. bigger. Uh, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> Captain Cash, what do you think? That's tough. Like, if I had to have a shrine to an artist, and I thought about this before being on the pod, it, it just, would be... Just, just, just get it out of the way. Just say yourself. Just, oh, I just mean, say yourself. Oh, it's okay. I, I, you I can already say have Johnny that. Depp, and we'll yeah. throw in Amber Heard's poop pillow. <laughs> <laughs> just the poop emoji with, yeah, like, eyelashes. <laughs> Um, uh, no, but I, for real, I was going to say Stan Lee. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's totally. fair. I mean, he's not, I mean, you can't really call him an actor. Sure, he's been in cameos and but stuff. How cool would it be to have a bunch of the shit from his cameos? Yeah, that would well, be pretty and, cool. And he's a pair of like random the, aviators that he had. Yes, the guy's got his warts, but his impact on movies, comics, and pop culture in general is undeniable. Yeah. Because and, and, and people want to argue about the creative stuff. He was always a big ideas guy, and that and that that is undeniable. He was a huge yeah. ideas guy. Okay, yeah, I we mean, don't... a really good. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, but ahead, just a, a really good way to to to, to talk about Stanley because I agree with you, Chump. Is like there's that quote from that movie about Steve Jobs where they're like, "You're not a programmer. Like, why are you famous? You're not even a scientist or a computer guy. Like, why are you known for this?" And he says, "You know, like you guys." are the cellist and the violin player and all that he's like i'm the composer like i play the the orchestra like that's the instrument i play and i feel like stan lee yeah. was like he played the orchestra like he wasn't any one thing he was just really good at merging all this stuff together and making it and like merging art and business and creating this like you know media empire like yeah no he was a genius that's, in his own that's way. a good way to put it yeah, no, it's when marketing is done right he was an excellent marketeer so was steve jobs they knew yeah. They knew how to push things in the direction that people wanted. But yeah, no, and he, he was a visionary. He, he had a vision and he, he executed it. But yeah, he was not he was not an artist. He didn't write every story. He wrote lots of stories. Uh, listen, he could write. He's not Bob Kane. Let's put it like that. <laughs> OK, so yeah, but, 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 in the but, bad way, in the yeah. sense that Bob Kane was a piece of shit. He's yes, he's no. not great, no. like, but he's not like. Uh, did he accept on. recognition for yeah. things that maybe were not wholly his own? Sure, but he was sure. not Bob Kane. But no, no, no. Yeah. But yeah, he he was a shrewd businessman, and that can be ugly. 
that's true. But that's yeah, he was not a terrible guy. He just he was just hey, he was the smartest guy in the room in a lot of times and made good decisions. So yeah. but yeah, his, okay. his now, legacy is a, not that slipper, complicated. Would you? Yeah, so I will. I, I, I'm going to go with Chris Evans. Oh, because because what a dork I, you are. Seriously? <laughs> Chris Evans? Chris Evans, because I was a big Spider-Man guy growing up. You need that Letterman jacket from Not Another Teen Movie? Yes, I do. I would love that. Come no, on. Because, no, because I didn't like Captain America. Like, as a character, I thought, as a kid, I always thought he was cheesy. I liked Spider-Man. I liked... Uh, I did like uh, the Silver Surfer. I love the Infinity Gauntlet saga through the 90s of Jim Stalin and all that. That was great. Um, but yeah, I was not a huge Captain America guy. I always thought he was kind of cheesy and corny. But then the MCU, and especially the Winter Soldier, you know, the second Captain America movie really turned me on to that character. And he became one of my favorites. And then Chris Evans is also a good dude. And like, I, I'm like, wow, that guy, that guy rocks. Like, I can't think of a contemporary uh, actor that I have more respect for than Chris Evans. And I really enjoyed his Captain America character. Like that okay. really, I mean, I relate, like, I related to it. I enjoyed it. I liked, I liked the way they portrayed him in that. And I think he did a good job of playing the role and making that character not suck. Okay. It's a tiger beat pick, but sure. I'm here for it. <laughs> Whatever and, your and little heart and desires. And he's a dreamboat. I mean, come on. I mean, he's a stud. It's okay. true. He's a, handsome, he's a very handsome man. Would you just smell his sweater from Knives Out, like the like the, the people who sing to Aquaman in the Snyder Cut? Like, yes, <laughs> I I would in private, not on film. I would do it in private. Okay, well that makes yeah, sense. That's, that's, right. that's for personal time. Icelandic <laughs> chanting into his sweater. I get it. Yeah, oh, come on, the guy rules. Captain okay. but the the elevator fight, the elevator fight. Come I mean, John the Matrix elevator would have fight. thrown him out of the elevator, but yeah, that's whatever. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to hear from our tag team partners over at the Double Turn Podcast. When we come back, we've got the Nick Cage Gives Good Smooches Trivia Challenge. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello, and welcome back to the 150th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Again, we are talking the unbearable weight of massive talent, and we are on to the Nick Cage Gives Good Smooches Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, we have a standard five-question, multiple-choice format quiz. To chime in, either stick with one of our stalwarts, or say, it's grotesque, or Nick fucking Cage! Woo! Are we ready? The Cage Smooch is gone! <laughs> I don't know what that accent is, but okay, yes. Like... But my, my Nick Cage is, yeah, my, my Nick Cage is uh, a little too much Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, you, you, you do have a habit of slipping back into the Jimmy Stewart. It's okay. You're Sean Connery and you're Jimmy Stewart. There's a big overlap there. Yeah. And apparently the Nick Cage, too. FYI, the winner of this does get the wax caster Troy. Fuck yeah. Oh, nice. But with it, you have to take the wax John Travolta without the face. So... 
pros and cons here. I I see see nothing but pros. (laughs) (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time. I'm going to put that right in my bedroom. I want it to watch. I want it to just sit in the corner staring at me without its face. Okay. Wow. (laughs) This took a turn, guys. This, This took a turn. Number one. In the film, Javi's third favorite movie, and this is online, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling it, is Paddington 2. But in real life, Pedro Pascal told an interviewer for Rotten Tomatoes that it was this movie. Is it A, All About Eve? Is it B, Citizen Kane? Is it C, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Or is it D, The Godfather? Nick Cage is good. Dang. That's Captain Cash. C. Incorrect. It is not One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm going to shoot... You were too slow, Chumzel. I'm giving it to our guest, Ryan. I did, not, oh, I did not read this interview, but I'm going to just guess Godfather. Incorrect. Mm, I had a 30% chance. Yeah. All right, Chumzel. Yeah. It's down to Citizen Kane or All About Eve. All About Eve. Who's in All About Eve, T-Dubs? Uh, it's before my time. I'm not a huge fan of movies that old. I'll watch some, obviously. Is it older than Citizen Kane? Uh, it's right in that same wheelhouse. Consistent Kane seems like the obvious answer. Um, so I'm going to live dangerously. It was all about Eve. He said all about Eve. Yeah. It was his third favorite movie. Boom. So nice. one nothing, Chumpzilla. Number two, in that same interview, Pascal listed his three favorite Nicolas Cage movies. Which of these was not one of them? Was it A, Adaptation? Was it B, Wild at Heart? Was it C, Raising Arizona, or was it D, Leaving Las Vegas? Okay, first off, those are all excellent. Well, I couldn't throw in something terrible. It's not like I was going to throw Stolen in there. (laughs) Eight eight millimeter would have worked. I like eight millimeter. Well, I I always think it's John Cusack in that movie, but apparently it's not. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Oh, you know why? Because maybe you're blending it in with that other movie with John Cusack where he's one of the, like, um, people that hotel. That's 1408. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also, he's in Con Air and Pushing Tin, where he's also an air, well, he's an air traffic controller in Pushing Tin. Yeah. He got typecast. Yeah. (laughs) Works with air traffic wait, 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 no, wait, the, the Kevin Costner golf movie? In Cup? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what uh, do we think? Get, get the answers again. Okay, so it's A, Please. Adaptation, mm-hmm. B, Wild at Heart, C, mm-hmm. Raising Arizona, or D, Leaving Las Vegas? Well, I know it's really hard to see Wild at Heart, so I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, uh, not that one. Um, so that, that's your answer is Wild at Heart? Because no, I'm not. Well, this is which one is a, not which one not, of these is not one of his favorites. I know it's a really that's a really good movie though, and I feel like it's hard to find. But I bet Pedro Pascal has people. I'm I sure think it was. Find it. I'm I'm gonna say it was uh, adaptation. Incorrect. Damn, really? Yeah. 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 Okay. I, this is the dumbest possible answer. Tarts and farts. Raising Arizona. Incorrect. So, Captain Cash, you were down to Wild at Heart or Leaving Las Vegas for the tie. It feels like Leaving Las Vegas. Ding, ding, ding. You are uh, all right. Correct. Okay. Because, I mean, that was one of the good ones, and it would have made him sense that he's like, I, you know, uh, it is leaving surprising Las Vegas. Yeah. That would have been my second guess. Yeah. Dang. Okay. 
Number three, it is one-to-one. Captain Cash at Chumpzilla. Ryan is at zero, but there is time here. Number three, in Hobby Shrine to Nicolas Cage, each of these items was present except, Mm. was it A, the burned bunny from Con Air? Was it B, his fake hand from Moonstruck? Was it C, the Super Mario Brothers shoes that were recycled for the prison in Face Off? Or was it D, the lottery ticket from It Could Happen to You? Kirks and Farts, the shoes from Mario Brothers. Correct. They were not there. Uh, See, I thought it was a trick question because I I don't remember the bunny being burned. The bunny appeared whole. It has like it's, you know, it's but it's it's, singed. It's it's, singed. It's worse for the wearer. So I had it as the false teeth from Vampire's Kiss, but then because you were like so passionate about how nothing from Vampire's Kiss was in this movie, I'm like, shit. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Because I was like, oh, nobody will notice if those teeth were there, right? Yeah. I still love that movie. Chumzilla would notice. And honestly, like... I was looking hard. I read an article in AV that... Like the filmmakers told them, like, oh, here's a bunch of things you may have missed in the movie, and here's like things they knew were in it. But like, there's Easter eggs all over this movie. So yes, yes, I'm I can, looking I forward to watching it again. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see this streaming. I definitely want to see this. Movie oh, I'm going to buy this 100. I mean, I buy a lot of movies though, so I guess uh, what does that mean? That's fair, but still, <laughs> I'm still going to buy this. So we're two to one to zero. Number four. The film used Cage's actual life as inspiration, which we discussed, but much of it is reworked. As an example, we said he doesn't have a daughter. He has two sons. One element he was fine with delving into, and I said that earlier, was his financial problems. At the height of his money issues, how much was he in the hole? Is it A, 75 million? Is it B, 100 million? Is it C, 125 million, or is it D, 150 million? Jesus. Nick Cage, smooch is good. Uh, uh, James Stewart. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Nick Cage spends money bad. He, 150 yes. million. Correct. Oh, so man. They did an interview <laughs> with the LA Times. And he said, what I did was monumental. I worked my way out of $150 million in debt. and I didn't file for bankruptcy because I was there for my family. You didn't see me do one of those silly Super Bowl commercials. And believe me, they offered. You got a problem with that? I don't. I'm proud. So with that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. So good for him. Like he didn't run away from what... You know, well, it, it's amazing that he pulled himself out of that hole without Dude, 150 to... million. Now, I'm sure like you're selling off assets and that's not strictly paying back. On yeah, he, but... he he had bought a ton of shit he sold. Yeah. Yeah. But still, wow. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of. Uh, I remember, you know, obviously I'm a huge Mike Dinosaur Tyson fan and I think he was like at its height, like 100 million. And I was like, how the, how the fuck does that happen? Like you had $300 million. Like that's crazy to think about what you spent money on. Rich people yeah. problems, man. Rich yeah. people problems. All right. So it's two to two. And Ryan's technically not eliminated because there's a bonus question with number five, which is Ooh. Nicholas Kim Coppola or Nikki, the younger, more intense version of Nick Cage in this movie, wears a shirt mm. 
referencing this Nicolas Cage classic? Is it A, Birdie? Is it B, Wild at Heart? Is it C, Rumblefish? Or is it D, Valley Girl? Nick Cage smooches good. Captain Cash. Wild at Heart. It is Wild at Heart. Ah, because I remember it's Flaming Heart. I said, were you were you going to guess that too? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. So the shirt he wears name checks David Lynch's bizarro uh, world take on the Wizard of Oz from Wild at Heart. Yeah. Now here's the bonus, and you can tie technically Chumzilla. Can you name his character from the movie Wild at Heart? What is his character's name? It's oh, a really fuck. weird name. <laughs> I know. I used to know it. It's like it's like Dakota Jones or something weird, isn't it? Not even close. <laughs> Montana Johnson. It's a it's a weird it's a uh, weird uh, cartoon Montana, anime cartoon no. combined with the character from Alien. It's yeah, it's like it's like uh, Nurturo Ripley. I, I have no Sailor clue. Ripley, you were close. Sailor, yeah, wow. yeah. Sailor, Sailor yeah, Ripley. I, yeah, it's a weird name. I sort of knew she that. is the one called Sailor Ripley. Dakota Jones, yeah. though, was, was a good cast. The, the cat was named Jones. Right there. Yeah, you the were so, Jones. You were right on the cut. Samsonite. That was, that was way <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, Dakota so, Jones sounds like a porn star. Yeah. Roads. Probably is. Roads. Yeah. What a funny word. So we are <laughs> on to recommendations. Uh, we'll start with our guest, Ryan. Uh, and also, since you are a comic book artist and creator, uh, give us some comics you're reading right now. Oh, man. I am diving back into East of West uh, by Hickman. I don't know if anyone here has read that, but it's uh, an alternate history of... It's like an alternate America <laughs> that went off in this totally other direction, and then he took that alternate America, and he goes like a thousand years in the future. And it's uh, America is split into seven uh, separate nations. Um, it's really fascinating and like there's like a Native American city like where they kind of isolated and their technology is like advanced ahead of everyone else because they kind of had you know it's really but it's but it's also a western and it's it's following the main character who's uh, the angel of death incarnate and he's like a, a gunslinger in, in the old west but it's also the future it's really trippy it's like another one of those fever dream comics but it's really good I'm also rereading John Byrne's Superman Oh wow! Which is yeah, yeah. One of my all time. I'm I'm a big Superman fan. I love DC, and uh, I just recently, like they just this past year, came out with like a, a you know a reprinted like omnibus of the entire thing. I, I love John Byrne Superman. So very cool. So quick question: restore or not restore the Snyderverse? I would say that even though I was not a huge fan of his interpretation of Superman to begin with, after seeing his cut of Justice League. I'm kind of curious to see what he would have done with it. And I feel like, you know, why not? If people want to see it, let him make it, you know? Um, yeah, you're, you're on that you're on that vibe? Oh, yeah. I got I have a Snyder Cut tattoo, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Because yeah. well, when I first saw Man of Steel, I was like, I don't know about this. Like, that's not my Superman. But then I saw Justice League, and I was like, he's got some interesting ideas. This movie's pretty good. So His version now, now really I'm kind of on that team. good. Yeah. It really yeah. redeemed, like, I, I remember seeing the the first one and like the theatrical cut and just like lying to myself like oh that was that was fine that was fine it's like when you come home and somebody robbed you like it's okay it's okay (laughs) just money yeah all my shit's gone it's okay at least we're all safe that's what you see you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) let's look at the positives (laughs) no one died yeah uh captain cash recommendation 
Uh, I just got out of seeing the bad guys with my kids. That was pretty fun. Uh, it's not anything serious. It's a fun way to spend 90 minutes. It's pretty silly. Got a couple yucks out of me. Okay. Yeah. I saw it too. I agree. If you got kids, definitely take them to see it. Uh, yeah. Mark Maron, MVP of the movie. He was the snake. Mark Maron is the MVP of almost everything. Yeah. He rules. Does. Uh, Chumpsilla, nice. what's, what's your recommendation? And don't say sniffing Chris Evans' sweaters. <laughs> It's a family I mean, show. Well, listen, everybody on this pod right now would do so if given the opportunity. So let's not throw stones, okay? I'm not going to say don't sniff his sweaters. But what I will say is uh, on Tubi, you can check out both the cabinet of Dr. Uh, Cal- Calabari. Caligari. 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 You were right there. So close. so close. I almost said calamari, but I'm like, I know that's not right. Know. The the cabinet of Dr. Dakota Johnson. Yeah, Dakota <laughs> Jones. The cabinet of Dakota Jones. The, the cabinet of Osmosis Jones. Um, no, uh, the, the cabinet of Dr. Calabari, uh, which is which is the the, the 1920s. Uh, uh, I guess what is that? Uh, it's a German, German silent film. Durant Simon, it's expressionalism, you know, uh, uh, Durant, Durant, it's, it's a classic film. It's actually considered the first horror film mm. of all time. Uh, expressionist, not expressionist. I, I can't even talk right now. These, uh, I, I blame, first off, T-dubs, which is back up here. I blame these beers you made us drink tonight. These uh, Schneider Weiss, uh, Weiss and Double Box. Yeah, eight point nine. Release the Schneider Bach. All yeah. right, I'm 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 old. Yeah. And I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, eight eight point two. But whatever. No, but seriously, uh, uh, you can check out that German uh, film that that Cage rages about in this this movie. It's great. It is German cinema from the 1920s. It's uh, an expressionist film, and it's, it's far before propaganda cinema. So. Yeah, and it's silent, and it's considered to be one of the first horror films of all time, and it is pretty cool. Like, it's worth checking out on Tubi. But if you want a more contemporary horror recommendation on Tubi, here's a film that I have heard about, had never seen, but now I just checked, and it is free on Tubi. Where's those Tubi bucks? You guys can see putting in the work, are you? You guys can see teeth. Teeth is on Tubi. No, and don't holy watch shit, Tubi. don't. Teeth is a great horror movie. It's like it. It, it again. Hey, uh, Ryan Johnson. This is how you subvert expectations in a slasher film. Teeth. It's worth seeing. Vagina Dentata. Vagina Dentata. Vagina Dentata. As much as it tells you that her vagina Tubi. is going to eat dicks, <laughs> you kind of. Yeah, it's right there. It's right there, but it, it feels turns, very surface level. I, I'm it, it, no, but it turns the trope on its ear. I love it. I'm glad I watched it. Watch teeth on Tubi. Okay, it turns uh, the teeth in the vagina trope on its ear. Yep, vagina okay. dentata. I, yeah. I just vagina dentata. I. Again, I, I I feel like he's you know attempting to sing Akuna Matata. Yeah, I'm right now. Your neighbors just hear you screaming Matata yeah. Matata, and they're like, "What's happening?" About and these are, I, these are new neighbors, and that's the worst part. I, 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 literally, that, that's a line from the movie. The gynecologist screams it, 
Yeah, it, it's I, a great film. I, yeah. It's worth seeing. You see, Ryan, oh, Ryan yeah. knows what's up. Ryan knows what's up. <laughs> I wish your microphone me. had teeth right now. Vagina dentata. What a wonderful phrase. Vagina dentata. Ain't no pat. It, it totally works. It does. It does work. Don't stop. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So my recommendation uh, for this week is... Uh, Captain Cash's wonderful musical rendition of Vagina Montada. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's, uh, I've, I said it, was gonna... it means nothing but worries for the rest of it, your days. It actually means it all, like, it means worries for the rest of your days. Yeah, 100% worries. Your dick is now stuck in this tooth filled vagina <laughs> and you can't get it out of there. It is gone. Then a crab and or dog eats it. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of feels like being $150 million in debt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A lot of a lot of comparison points here. <laughs> so my my actual recommendation is Matchstick Men, which is a uh, movie where Nicolas Cage is a con man with uh, crippling OCD. It was directed by Ridley Scott, co-stars pod favorite Sam Rockwell uh, and Bruce McGill, who I love, uh, who I joke about with my mother to this day because he's in an episode of Tales from the Crypt, screaming, "I'm Lou Paloma." where he fakes his own death. And uh, I, I don't know why that's been a joke of this forever it has, but it's a great, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite Nicholas Cage performances. And I know I said a, I'd recommend a bunch of uh, Francis Ford Copeland, Nicholas Cage stuff, but I have one of those coming next week. So uh, check it out free on HBO max match sick men. It's really freaking good. Just a well-acted movie from everyone, including Alison Lohman, who, was really young at the time and i didn't know that she retired from acting after drag me to hell she's just been a mom what would, what would you call that film genre wise would you call it a black comedy so yeah it's a black comedy yeah i'd say but no, it's, fair enough. i would say fair enough. A, a, a good nicholas cage recommendation that not a lot of people are bringing up is his performance in kick-ass oh sure big um, daddy no, yeah yeah no, no matter what you think of that movie his like turn on his adam west type character is so incredible and funny um yeah i, I love him in that movie and how much did the sequel suffer for not having him Amazing. oh the sequel is abysmal it's so right. bad I, I hate to say it you know because i i was expressing my love for chris evans earlier but honestly that's probably one of the more underrated superhero turns that any major actor's taken. Like Nick Cage gets to know his credit for being a superhero actor, but he was. And he carries yeah. the movie. And, yeah. and he's way it's way better in that than he ever was in Ghost Rider. Well, yeah, but it's also I think he had a better script and a better he had a, he Yeah, had exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's like, yeah, he, he could have done something. Like I, I'm sorry. Uh he could do better than Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. Well, in recent oh, interviews, sure. he'd have to be younger, but in recent interviews, he said no, he'd no, him. absolutely not. I I I, I he's, too up, he's too old. First up, I hate Oscar Knight. Isaac. I hate him more now. I, I slightly respect him more because he's he's trying really hard, but you could swap him out for Nick Cage, and that show is better. Fight in recent was, interviews, he said what though? In recent interviews, uh, so uh, I gotta know. Somebody asked him if he could play a villain in a Matt Reeves sequel to uh, the Batman. He'd like to play Egghead, which was Vincent Price's character from the '60s Batman. Uh, and yes. I have no doubt that Nicolas Cage would find a way to make it work. I actually think Absolutely. he'd be a fantastic Two Face, don't you? I would agree. Manic Nicolas Cage as Two Face would be incredible. He feels a little old. I think he no. could do. I think he could do Hugo Strange. 
No, oh stop, stop, yeah. stop, stop, stop. Th- those are all the intelligent answers. I'm going to give the awful pop culture answer. Nick Cage is the Joker. Come on. That he is born to play that role. He's the only guy that could maybe even compete with Heath Ledger at this uh, point. I, I, I thought Joaquin Phoenix did a nice, Joaquin Phoenix did a very nice job. Uh, Nick Cage he, is jo- kite First man. off, it's, it is now Joaquin forever. But no, I think Nick Cage would pour his heart and soul into it. And he would not play it like Ledger or Phoenix, but I think he would do his own version of the character. And I think I think he could pull it off. I think he could pull off an iconic. I just want to retire the joke of that character. That no, my, that's, that, yeah. that's that's very fair. I don't think it's time for it. But I'm just saying, I think Cage has the talent to pull it off. Okay. He, well, that's he fair. Could, he could do it. He could. Do I'm it. just saying, Nicholas Cage is so crazy. He could pull off Condiment Man, and I wouldn't bat an eye. Or yeah. Kite Man. Yeah. I'm right he there with you, Captain Cash. Or, or Lex yes. Luthor. He, he would be a great Lex Luthor, too. Oh, oh that that's yeah. that's that's some good that's some good black mirror stuff there. So he's yeah. a big super, he's a big Superman guy. Make him mm-hmm. Lex Luthor. See, hey, Ryan's got a point. I, I think uh, I, that, I, that trumps that trumps my Joker point. Yeah. Lex Luthor. All I know is uh, the rumor is that he appears in the flash. And I really hope it's true as Superman. Uh, I know obviously Wait, really? Teen Titans go to the movies, but I read that he uh, tokenly appears in the Flash as Superman. Oh, oh, as yeah. as the Tim Burton Superman that never got made with the yeah. bullet. Oh my uh-huh. god, I would love to see that. That so, actually would be fantastic. I think it would be funny. pretty great. I think that would be like a, a pop culture coming full circle in in the greatest of ways, because wow. it is the ultimate what if. Um, but remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at writertlk. You can find Captain Cash at C A P T C A S H on most social media, and you can find Chumpsail Eight sniffing sweaters at Chumpsail Eight on Twitter. Love you, Chris Evans. The absent McCheese can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter, and our gracious guest Ryan Gutierrez. Remind the listeners one more time where they can find you and plug that awesome comic. Uh, I, I can be found on Instagram under Ryan underscore guts. You can find my art, uh, my stupid opinions on comic books, um, uh, things I post to waste time, occasionally pictures of a really good steak that I made. But overall, uh, I post art there. And if you would be so gracious as to check out my comic book, West Deacon, it comes out May 16th, digital and print. It's going to be in shops everywhere. It's on Comicsology if you want to pre-order it today. Hell nice. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a hard copy and we're gonna connect offline. I'm gonna mail it to you. We're gonna get a signed copy. We're gonna give it away on this pod. It's gonna be sweet. Bless your heart, sir. Thank you guys. You guys have been so nice and so great. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah, thank you so on. much. Yeah, exactly, man. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, you guys are great. So you can check Wabam Entertainment out at wabamentertainment.com or at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on apple Podcasts, and be sure to like share and subscribe and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes in the end listeners remember one thing paddington 2 is incredible we'll see you next week for the final round of our second month dedicated to the great nicholas cage the sorcerer's apprentice